This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 135. Today, our special guest is Dr. Sonia Udad, and we discuss her recently published article, Rethinking Resilience and Its Implications for Leaders. You're not going to want to miss this one. Welcome back to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. This is the only podcast that shows you how to leverage polarity intelligence, an essential competency for healthcare leaders, and the missing logic in healthcare, so you can create healthy healing organizations and become a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable healthcare leader. We are your hosts, Tracy Christofferson and Michelle Troset. We've been best friends and colleagues for over 30 years. And during that time, we coached healthcare leaders across North America around how to create healthy healing organizations. Today, we coach healthcare leaders and leadership teams to live thriving, resilient, and balanced lives, combat burnout, and create the best places to give and receive care. This podcast is for the unsung hero of healthcare, the healthcare leader. We want you to know we see you and we'll be here for you each week. In this podcast, we're going to challenge healthcare's industry norms, flip limiting beliefs, and share proven strategies so you can be your best self at working at home, live and lead intentionally, and experience well-being and joy. We are glad you are here and look forward to sharing the journey with you. If you aren't totally convinced this podcast is for you, just listen to a few episodes and convince yourself. Welcome to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. This is Tracy. And Michelle. Yeah, another wonderful interview, another wonderful episode. You just, we're so consistent in that regard. <laughs> we are, we are. <laughs> and you know what? I think we have met amazing people since we started the podcast. We have. We've really been fortunate that way. We have. I don't think there's been anybody we've struggled to talk with. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that it's been an issue at all. No, no, no. We can always talk and talk and talk. Probably could have them on a couple episodes, right? That's right. That's right. So today we reached out to Dr. Sonia Udad when an article came out that you'll hear about in the podcast interview that she did with some colleagues on rethinking resilience. And well, it was just, we need to rethink resilience. So we just thank her for her article yeah, it's just really validating everything that we have been thinking and hearing and seeing saying and, and saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like we're kindred spirits, right? And yeah. She's doing a lot of really great research around that, and I just was so pleased that she was willing to share what she's learning and her insights with our listeners. And, and she's just such a lovely woman. Very lovely. Very mm-hmm. sweet. Easy very to, kind. Ugh. Yep, easy to talk with. Yes. Yeah. Can't wait to have more conversations with her in the future. Oh, and I know we will. I know we will. So how about we introduce our listeners to her and then we'll get rolling so we can all rethink resilience together. Sounds great. All right. So Dr. Sonia Udad developed the lead outcomes research called Creating and Translating Evidence for Nursing Leadership and Health Services, which she now co-leads with Dr. Pam Baxter. Nurse leader development is critical to improved health services delivery, improved quality of care for patients, healthier workplaces for healthcare providers, and better organizational outcomes. Sonia received the Marathon 
the Maritha Donovan Leadership Award in 2020 for leadership academic training with the aim of creating a culture of innovation in the Masters of Nursing Leadership stream to lead organizational and system change. She also received the Top Researcher in Social Health New Investigator Establishment Grant on a study entitled Role Stressors and Coping Strategies for Nurse Managers in Acute Care Facilities in Saskatchewan and Alberta. And that was 2013 to 2016. And that was funded by the SK Research Health Foundation. She is a champion of prominent international leadership management and research organizations. And in 2019, she was appointed International Director Association for Leadership Science in Nursing and was the topic editor for Nursing Reports. So all the way from Canada, here's our interview with Dr. Udad. Well, welcome, Sonia, to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. We can't tell you how long we've been looking forward to this. Yes. <laughs> my pleasure. My pleasure to be here with you both. Yeah. And welcome from Canada to Boots, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, yes. yeah. We're entering that snowy, wintry season here in Michigan. I'm getting ready to head to California where the sun shines and there isn't any snow. And uh, my husband has been up north at the time that we're uh, taping this in the midst of a big snowstorm, and he's like ready to leave. (laughs) But I wonder what it's like where you are in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada (laughs) in the wintertime. Probably nothing like what we have. (laughs) Yeah, you know, typically it's quite cold here. And we're in the Fahrenheit system. And I think it's the same in the US. Mm-hmm. We used to live in New York. So so I remember the weather. It was much, much more mild. But here, we had a really cold weekend. We were down to minus 25. But today is minus three. And we're going to be about minus three for the next week. So um, that's really lovely weather for, for Canada at this time of year. It's like a heat wave, isn't it? Yes, and we're enjoying it. Wow, you go right ahead. (laughs) You should, you should. (laughs) Well, um, we know you have a passion for teaching students to be effective leaders. So we wanted you to kind of share with our leaders where that, what's the root of that passion? Why are you so passionate about that? You know, I I had to stop and think about what, what the question was, because it's been so long since I've thought about it. But my passion really grew from being a staff nurse. And that was some time ago. But at that time, I really felt that there was a limit as to what a nurse could actually do. There were constraints within the system. And that always stuck with me. And I didn't quite understand what that would mean. But I really have come to understand the importance of really um, teaching and supporting our future nurse leaders. So I teach undergraduate, uh, the undergraduate leadership course in our nursing program and the graduate course. So those, those nurses who graduate, especially the undergrads, they are the frontline people for patient care. They're the ones who can make the most critical difference to patient care outcomes. And so as leaders, we need to ensure they have the resources, support, and information they need to um, to care for their patients. And so some of the things I teach in our program are things such as we learn, uh, the students learn about their leadership style, they learn about conflict management, they learn about what change, and all of those elements of leadership shape how they view themselves as a mini-manager of a patient 
population. So that's how I see it. And that really um, connects well and links well with what we do in the leads in, in the lead research outcomes program about leadership being the cornerstone of the healthcare system and also the importance of the nurse leader development. Yeah. So um, we know that you've been involved in that research around um, the lead outcome research and as a co-principal investigator. Say a little bit more about that. That sounds just so interesting. Yeah. Well, I have a wonderful research mentor. Her name is Dr. Greta Cummings, and you may have heard of her. She's a very well-known researcher in nursing and health services in Canada and internationally. So she was the one, when I completed my doctorate at the U of T, she said, you you need to create a, a program and you need to name it something so that you can put your energies uh, to support it so that you are clear as to what you're doing. And so that is how LEAD um, Research Outcomes was created. And later on, I met another one of her mentees, Dr. Pamela Baxter from McMaster University, and that's how we got together. And so we are doing this together now. And she's on one end of the country. I'm sort of in the middle. And then we have another co-investigator from UBC, University of British British Columbia, who's a senior faculty member, and she's supporting us. So that's how we started it uh, together. And it's really about nurse leader development. So we now have included our grad students in this. We work together both within the country and make connections outside the country as well. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, that's great. And it's always so valuable to have partners, isn't it? And to kind of do that collaborative work together. Yeah, you know, I'm realizing uh, more and more how important the word and how the concept of collaboration and partnership is important, not only with other researchers, but with people in practice, because mm. we need to know <laughs> from them firsthand what those issues are. And students are really keen also. And so it's just been, um, I've learned so much and I just love what I do. Oh, that's so awesome. That's great. Yeah. That's great. It is great. Well, Sonia, in the November 2020, excuse me, November 2021 issue of Jonah, which is the Journal of Nursing Administration, you and your co-authors published an article entitled Rethinking Resilience, Nurse and Nurse Leaders Emerging from the Post-COVID-19 Environment. And of course, we were struck immediately by the fact that, you know, you discuss burnout from a frontline and a leadership perspective and how resiliency needs to be owned by the individual and the organization. So a couple of polarities there that Tracy and I picked up on right mm-hmm. away. And um, so we would just really like to uh, unpack the article today with our listeners and sh- have you share some of your insights. Because uh, we just think we're really aligned in how you have to have a dual approach to create sustainable resilience. So, But before we dig into the article... I think it'd be helpful for our listeners to have you describe just the situation in Canada right now as it relates to COVID-19 and the impact it's had on the workforce there. You know, that's a really good question. And I've been thinking about this a little bit more because the the uh, information and the knowledge is changing so quickly. But we are in a critical nursing shortage here in Canada, as we are around the world, but it has really become really acute. We are in our fourth wave now, uh, COVID and 
the concerns prior to the pandemic with the shortage and the environment and our healthcare system has just really exacerbated what we're experiencing right now. So, for example, in our province of Manitoba, which is right above um, Minnesota, North Dakota, we have a little over a million people and one major city. So we have approximately 15 to 20 percent vacancy rate in the province. And in the south, it's a little bit in the southern part of our province, it's a little bit worse. And then in the north, it's even worse. We're almost at 30 percent vacancy rate in the north. And so that causes a lot of a lot of issues. These nurses have been working hard prior to the pandemic. Now they have been really exhausted. There's a lot of strain. There's a lot of pressure on them. There's burnout. And what we're seeing is that some of these nurses who've been in the system a while are now wanting to leave or have left. And some of the new students that we are, you know, uh, graduating are out there, but they're also experiencing a lot of pressure because some of the nurses that have been there who uh, typically have been able to support and mentor them and supervise them do not have that time. And our province has decided because of the shortage to recruit and employ third and fourth year nursing students in hospitals in surgery and medicine, and I'm not sure of the other unit, there was three units, which sounds like a good idea. And I think that we're doing everything we can as most places are. But part of the issue there is that they need supervision. They have only done tasks or activities maybe once or twice, still not confident, but there's really limited people to supervise them. So we'll see how it goes. But that's a very worrisome piece of it. But overall, um, they're really stretched. And Mm -hmm. now we in Canada, as in other parts of the country as well, have a backlog of surgeries, procedures, and different kinds of treatments that has just made things even more difficult. So just um, as I was reading in one of um, my articles today, it's just a perfect storm just all of the things that have been occurring over a number of years in a pandemic that is not winding down has really um, exacerbated everybody's stress levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it really makes you appreciate how the health system is an ecosystem. So everything gets impacted when situations like the pandemic you know, occur, and, right. and it really makes you pause and see that, right? Yes, it's um, yeah, it's it's really quite something. Um, you know, we're really feeling now around me and in the healthcare system, really feeling the pressure, the conflict, the stress. People's people just are not quite as, I don't know, forgiving to one another. Um, I'm not even sure if if I'm saying the right word, but. The stress is right mm-hmm. up there in a way I have not seen before. So they're burnt out. Well, it's hard to burnt be our out. best selves, right? When mm-hmm. we don't, when we're yeah. depleted, we're burned out, we're stressed. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, we're not always our yeah. best selves in those times, right? So we're shorter yes. with people. We have less patience. You know, yes. all that kind of stuff just kind of bubbles up because we're not filling our right. cup. We're not supporting ourselves. Right. We're not taking care of our needs um, yes. in the service to others. So right, yeah. yeah. Well said. Well said, Tracy.
Yeah. That's what happens. It is. That's what we're seeing here, too. So I think it's probably worldwide, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would yes. imagine, right? We're all human yes. beings. So Right. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and and I think with all of the negativity around us in healthcare, and then we watch television, and there's issues around the world with um, uh, global warming, it, it just seems that where are the nice spots, the good spots, <laughs> the positive <laughs> spots, you know, and so it's, it, it's difficult uh, when you're surrounded by some of that negativity but uh but we have an important role to play and um and i can share a little bit more about that as as we go on because it sure fits better with some of the other kinds of things that we wanted to talk about sure Sure. that'd be great so thank you for that you know just a update of where you're you know, with your realities right now in Canada, and to your point, they're not dissimilar from other parts of the world. Um, but I want to go back now to the article, and your article was just so timely. It was just like, oh my gosh, this is such an important article right now. And you state in the article um, that promoting a culture of resilience for nurses is a catalyst for both individual and organizational resilience. And what are some of the strategies organizations can put in place to promote organizational resilience? Right. You know, I feel very strongly about this, and I have evidence um, mm-hmm. that has happened over the past week, actually, in our province. And it was well-intentioned by a nurse leader. However, in one of our teaching hospitals in, in Winnipeg, the nurse leader, I'm not sure if it was a CNO, it probably was, you know, uh, came out of a senior leadership uh, meeting, but they handed out wellness cards to the nurses. And these wellness cards were about breathing techniques to decrease their stress. Now, while the idea was a good one, it was not enough. And it was seen very poorly. They are in critical shortages. There's not enough staff. They've had to close surgeries, important surgeries, cardiac surgeries, um, because there have not been enough staff. So well-intentioned to give these nurses these, these cards, but what are you doing for me to have another person help me? And so here again is an important example of the importance of organizational resilience. What are you doing for these for these nurses to to enhance their individual resilience? Because it appears to me and perhaps to them, which is why they responded that way, that the responsibility is on them to deal with this. It's not just their responsibility. It's a multifaceted kind of um, response that needs to occur. So we have a responsibility, but the leaders also have a responsibility. And I'm not saying that they don't know that, but there needs to be more of a concerted effort to truly understand what these nurses are are going through. Because if we don't care for them, who will care for us when we need them? And part of the issue is that we have unvaccinated people in ICUs at this moment. The majority of them are unvaccinated. So that creates extra pressure that maybe the nurses did not, would not have had to deal with. I'm just saying Mm -hmm. um, so Mm -hmm. that um, those ICUs are full. But in terms of the organizational resilience, I want to go back to that Mm -hmm. because that's so important. And I think the importance of really establishing establishing psychological safety and trust with your staff and so that 
they feel it and you feel it and to be authentic that is certainly one um, staffing is an important piece of it i don't know where we're going to get those nurses from i just don't know we are now in a new phase that was just announced yesterday about increasing nurses uh, in our in our hospitals but i don't know where they're going to come from so um, so trust nurse empowerment um, again that can be a buzzword and I don't want it to be a buzzword, but it's about facilitating nurses' ability to be um, active decision makers for their work. They know what they need and to allow them to have further autonomy in decision making, so important. And then also to nurture those communication structures. Huddles now have been an important thing that have been happening in hospitals for a long time. And I speak I speak about hospitals as only one part of the healthcare system, but mm-hmm. that's kind of my background. Um, and so given our limitations, I'm just going to speak from that. Mm-hmm. But I think communication is also under under um, estimated. Communication is about listening and about um, also about talking with somebody else so it's a two-way communication so it is highly interactive and I know that that is something that probably is in short supply at this moment and typically is in a really uh, hectic environment but those are some of the key things that really need to occur and those managers and leaders really need to support them support the staff And that really needs to be unpacked in a way that's going to work for both of them. Mm -hmm. So again, that can be kind of vague as well. But um, a a leader that's really listening is visible and is authentic uh, and has a good EI should be able to interact and find out what those staff need. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, you know, what we appreciated is that, again, the duality of um, organizational resilience and individual resilience. And, and you can sometimes change the environment, and if the individual doesn't change, it's not going to change their stress level just because of what they need to do personally, right? So, right. but I think to your point, when we're putting forth, here's something for you that you can do, and here's what we are doing, right? So, yeah. in the in the giving of that information, it's to couple it yeah. with the interdependent pair of, I'm going to share this with you because you have a role, and then we have a role. And here's what we're doing. But when it's given in isolation, that interdependency, that connection, that intention to do both is not transparent. And that's when people jump to assumptions, right? That, oh, then you're just putting this all on me, right? Um, Right. So I can see why people would feel that way and why it's so Mm -hmm. important for leaders to know these are dualities. These are interdependent pairs that you have to do both. Um, and you right. have you have to help the help the individual see it as right. a both and as well because they want to like say you take care of this right so <laughs> it goes both right. ways right absolutely yeah and the dialogue absolutely. around that's what's important right so that communication, communication. to your point mm-hmm. absolutely and and I've really come to understand from my own research because I'm I'm almost done a, a big study about organizational resilience in this province and how health keep health leaders have activated it. One of the things that I have really learned from this study is the importance of compassion leadership has been extremely important. And nurses and people in a very critical time, we can 
get through something if we know that people around us are compassionate to us. And that has come through loud and clear. And um, yeah, so that's created a whole different kind of leadership style that we never really perhaps paid attention to or maybe didn't understand. There were other things that were happening. But this crisis that we have experienced is not just like a crisis in the hospital. It has affected our personal lives. So I think that's enabled leaders or made us think about interacting with others differently. So the importance of that relational aspect is just so key. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is. It sure is. And and it's not easy. Um, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm coming in with all of the answers. These are just guidelines and principles, but it's very hard work. Mm-hmm. It's very hard work. And, and, and both of you know that. Both of you know that it's very hard work, but uh, um, staff can, staff know when you've, when you're being authentic and doing your best and when you're trying to brush it off on them. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, our patients know when we're doing that too, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you use your intuition. You can kind of tell, right? But I think right. one of the exactly. things that just strikes me is our work that we did for all over 30 years around healthy work cultures was all about infrastructures and having that relationship be at the center, right? So empowering the individuals to bring their expertise from the bedside to the decision-making and having it also coupled with relationship building and dialogue training and just really kind of putting that package together and leveraging that as an organization is what really leads to this culture of resilience, this culture of compassion and relationship and and that power of intention. Well, and that's what makes it sustainable. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a a program or a quick fix, but you have to put infrastructures and principles in place over time so that it's sustainable. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, of course, we love your focus on leaders. We've we've given a lot of our attention to the leaders, too, because we know behind every clinician is a leader, right? Trying to lift them up, trying to hold them up, doing the best that they can. And if they fall... Where are we, right? right? Yeah. Like they're kind exactly. of the glue of the organization and uh, yes. they're the linchpin is like we like to say, or the kingpin <laughs> of the yeah. healthcare system. Um, so if they're not strong and resilient themselves, then they cannot really serve others to be that way as well and to help the organization become mm-hmm. resilient. So can you right. share a little bit about the three core strategies that you talk about for nurse leaders to build individual resilience for themselves so they can be strong as well? Right. And I think that is really important as well. I think that uh, one of the most important things, and, you know, I'm kind of learning myself as I go along. And, and you know, sometimes you, you think about just your topic of research, and then you kind of think, well, just a minute here, I'm kind of in that same category as well. I can learn something myself, or I have learned something. And I think the importance of positive nurturing relationships with colleagues is really important as well. They're the ones who know you the best. And to reach out to those people that you really value and trust, I've done that. I'm sure you've done that. 
to those people that, you know, you can sort of share, you know, your, your deepest, darkest kind of ugly, <laughs> uglies. And they go, yeah, I've been feeling that too. And you go, okay, I'm, I'm not totally crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so to be able to do that is, is really affirming. Um, and also I think to foster that emotional intelligence as well. Um, you know, we're in such a <laughs> stressful place for the most part. You know, it's, it's easy to kind of go ahead and do whatever you're feeling or say whatever you're thinking, but perhaps not always the best way. And we all know that you kind of need to bite your tongue, but it's about EI and it's about being able to go, you know, what is the best response for me in this particular situation? And to do that so that you maintain that you're in control and that you provide your best self, as, as you said, Tracy, to a, to a situation. So, you know, nurturing your EI, positive relationships, and also to create that safe space for your work. That is really key. And I've learned that about myself through through this is to be able to have, you know, pictures of loved ones, different kinds of mementos around me so that I can have that quiet time to think through perhaps a difficult situation, how I could do it better next time to be reflective so that I can use what I learned to do better next time. So it's really about uh, caring for oneself, but you know exactly what those strategies are. And we all have specific things that work for us mm -hmm. and to use whatever works for us. But you know, if we don't take care of ourselves as the instrument for overseeing a group of people, we're going to be in trouble. And so will our unit or organization. Yeah, it's about filling your cup uh, first, right? Yeah. yeah. And it sounds really simple, but yeah. you know, um, <laughs> Since our strike has finished, I've realized that and the importance, you know, of that, um, you know, you really do need to fill up your own cup. Mm -hmm. So I, I just want to just emphasize and, and Tracy and Michelle, you both have said this about the complementary nature of organizational and individual. I just think that that's really key. I think when we're faced with complex things and complexity science talks about this, that there's not an, one easy fix, and it never usually is. But I think when you're dealing with people, it becomes even more important that there needs to be a variety of different approaches to address a problem. So there, these two are complementary. Mm -hmm. They are. Yeah, they are. You got that right. <laughs> yeah, you do. That complexity stuff. We studied that too. Complexity yeah. science. Oh my gosh. And what isn't? Right. Well, and embedded in a lot of those complexities are not just problems. There's pol They're polarities. polarities. Mm -hmm. So we're, polarities. we're really trying to raise the, you know, the consciousness about that for leaders too. Um, yeah. About those interdependent relationships. Right. Because... We're dealing with the same stuff over and over, right? And there, there's a lot of these tensions and polarities mm -hmm. in the midst of this complexity of what we're experiencing right now, like individual resilience and organization. And when you think about moving forward right. and beyond this, that has to, it's imperative that that is taken into consideration. Otherwise, over time, you're going to fail and you're going to think, right. well, that didn't work. Yeah. 
right? So then you're going to try the right. opposite, which is the interdependent pair. So you just end up with this pendulum thing and you're wasting time Ooh, and money right. and resources that we yeah. don't have the time for that, right? People yes. need, yes. they need to be supported now. They need to feel there's right. a chance for hope, right? That there's hope, right. that there's a opportunity, things are going to get better. And, um, and right. I think you even said too, in your, in your article, um, you know, that it really is the leaders are right. Kind of the role models of this, right? Like they are leading through this and what they do, they have the opportunity to shape mm-hmm. the environment as well. Right. So that's equally important is not what they just do for themselves, but what they do for the organization as the leader of that. Absolutely. They they have a very important and big role to fill, yeah. but you are right on. Right. They are role models. Yeah. And, exactly. it, and if they don't know how to do it for themselves, how are they going to help anybody else or how are they going to create an environment yes. to do that? Yes. Right. So in yes. your article, you concluded with a statement that together these approaches have the potential to enhance resilience and sustain a healthy nursing workforce during and beyond the pandemic, like to infinity and beyond. <laughs> I love that. And we agree 100%, right? That's why we teach the polarity intelligence and the leveraging of both. So what kind of, just, we're interested to know, have you gotten any feedback or comments on the article and just kind of what impact have you seen? Because it was very impressive sure. to us. So, Well, thank you for that. Um, I think that there's been, Um, It's just come out, so it's kind of limited. But one of the things that sort of I clued into more recently, uh, that sounds kind of crazy, but, uh, you know, in the busyness of one's work, sometimes you you don't see things. And I realized with all of these new things that have been coming out in the news, the wellness card for the nurses, etc., and my work with healthcare leadership, I thought, hmm. I think I need to reach out to some organizations in our province here. We lead Research Outcomes is a national kind of research program, but, you know, I can be of service to the people here. So I reached out to our professional organization here, and I also reached out to our union, to Manitoba Nurses Union here. Um, and I said, you know, this is the article that we have just published and how do you think that we could disseminate this this article to others that, you know, might find it useful? And I, I'm sometimes a little bit reluctant, if I can say this, I'm sometimes a little reluctant to share with leaders in healthcare because they may see it as somehow they may not be measuring up to what they need to do. And that's not my intention at all. My intention is as a researcher, I need to be able to disseminate this. So it's being now um, conveyed to the major health authority board here in Manitoba. So we'll see where it goes. But again, you know, it's about helping people and helping us all because we're all affected by healthcare. And I think that people are really, you know, we're all struggling and trying to do the best we can and improve the environment in in the healthcare um, system. So I hope that it gets some traction. So I'm going to keep following up on it. No, yeah. I think that's really great um, yeah. because yeah. you know more than anyone how busy they are. So it's going to take a little bit of, you know, 
here. <laughs> Promoting, right. And, right. and I want you to be aware yeah. of this. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, it's, it was, yeah. you know, it was published in a major journal. And so I, I think it's great that you're sharing it. Yeah. And well, we're going to put a link to it in our show notes. Yep. So we'll okay. help spread That's the word great. as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Really, you can't worry about what anybody else thinks. Like, you know what your intention was in writing the article and they're going to yeah. think what they're going to think, but there's going to be a lot of people that are going to find a lot of value in it. I'm certain of that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I really hope so yeah. because that is my intention. Yeah. I really want to be of service. That is my job is to bring it back to practice. And I'm well connected with the chief nursing officer for the province. So right. she she's part of this as well. So yeah. we have a very good relationship. Oh, that's good. So I'm very, very grateful for that. Yeah. Well, we'll have to have you come back someday and we'll talk about the polarity between education and practice. Yes. Tra- that's another passionate uh-huh. <laughs> topic for Tracy and I. <laughs> yes. Definitely. I love that term polarity. I love that term polarity. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, they're, I'm, they're all around you working on you. So. Yes, yes. Love it. Love it. That's great. Yeah. Well, listen to our podcast. You'll learn more and more about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I know I should and I will. And I will. (laughs) Well, we just are so grateful. You know, we're just kind of bold. Like if we see something and it just it's an intuitive thing. And when your article came across, it was like, oh, we have to reach out to her because we just think this is right aligned to um, the way we're framing it up about a both and. And of course, the topic is really synergistic to what we're doing. We're very committed to helping leaders live thriving, resilient lives so that they can make an impact for their team and and be happy themselves. We want them to be happy. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's important to point out that this isn't just, well, we need to do this and then we need to do that, but that these Two things are really interdependent. There's a relationship between them. And that's what I think we, you know, we wanted to help. So just really help people to see this isn't just a couple of things we need to do. There's a relationship. These things are tied together and you have to give attention to both or you're going to fail. And so it's not just, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a connection. Absolutely. And I think and I think that for the most part, health leaders want to do a great yeah, job. Sure. Everybody wants to do sure. a great job. But sometimes in the busyness of our work or in the busyness of trying to meet organizational demands, whatever those organizational demands are, we sometimes lose track of perhaps things that are really important that we do need to pay attention to. And I think that this is one of them. Um to be able to pay attention to what I need to do as a leader so that I can facilitate, you know, these nurses at the pay, at the bedside to do their work. And we know in, in Canada here, as in the U.S., there's a huge focus now on the informal caregiver. And, you know, I, I come from a critical social lens so that, you know, they have an important role to play, but I also see it as a way that, you know, the government or the healthcare organization doesn't have to put quite as many resources into, uh, say, staffing when we have the family come in to help and facilitate some of the work. And, um, you know, so there's just many things, many things to keep in mind now yeah. mm-hmm. into this new world that we're um, coming into. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're not going back. I don't think we're, it's not no. ever going to be what it was. No. And that's yep. for a reason. 
And so there's lots of opportunity here, right? And you're sharing (laughs) kind of your perspective. And I think that's what people need. They need different perspectives. So good for you for sharing it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's time for the missing questions. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? I'm curious. I bet you are. I bet you are. So anything you can't handle. So uh, we're just going to ask you three fun questions. And yeah, it's nothing that you can't handle. And we really want people to get to know the more personal side of you, right? So it's another polarity, professional and personal. And then we we have a wrap-up question. So are you ready? Sure. Okay. So the first question is, if you could escape the cold winter and transplant yourself for winter months, where would you go and why? Mm. Gosh, you know, this is kind of a strange answer. I would love to go down to the Barbados, Antigua, somewhere down there. I love the ocean. And I love the water. That would be fabulous. But I have never been, if you can imagine. I've never been there. So I would love to go there. Well, that would be fabulous. We don't think that's strange at all. No, <laughs> go. All right, put we'll that go on your list. Go. <laughs> we'll go with you. What's holding you back? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Oh, good for you. I like that vision. <laughs> Me too. Uh, and our second question is, what can we find you doing on most days outside of work? Oh, gosh. I have to say I work a lot. Um, what would you see me doing? I love to cook and I love to bake. Oh, okay. Um, and I'm an introvert. That's where I'm energized. On the buyer's breaks, I'm an I. Um, so I, I, I do like to do that. And crazy as it sounds, I like to clean. And the reason I like to clean is because in those quiet moments, you know, I can reflect and I learn things about myself and what I can do better. Those are great answers. Oh, yeah. I like to clean too. My husband, do you? Okay. I do. And, and I like to do the dishes. And my husband always be, why do you not use a dishwasher? I'm like, because there's something about doing the dishes and just letting your mind wander and just being quiet. And and same thing with pulling weeds. I like to pull weeds too. And she's an I too. She's an I too. Oh, and I'm an I too. Are you an I? I'm an I. You and me, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm a big E. Yeah, she's a wow E. (laughs) She's an E. Oh, yeah. She's an E. Yeah, my husband is an E. (laughs) So I, yeah. 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 Perfect perfect match. Complimentary. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. All right. So our wrap up question is, you know, we've been talking about polarities the whole time we've been talking and and we really want people to understand kind of that, you know, interdependence. But one thing polarity intelligence teaches us is that we often have a preference for one pole more than the other. It's not that we don't recognize that both are important or we may not value both, but we tend to lean a little bit more one way in our preferences than we do the other. And it's important to know what that is because it influences your behavior and your perspectives. And so our question for you is what do you prefer most, planning or implementing? I must say I like planning. It's a more of a solitary endeavor and that's where I can be most creative. That's that's my mo- that's my comfort level, yeah. but I also recognize there needs to be that implementation. So yeah. that 
definitely needs to occur as well. Yeah. Did, did I answer your question? You did. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and and yeah. Sonia, you're a polarity thinker, just so you know. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Am I? Yeah, you're a natural. Okay. Yeah. You're a natural. Yeah. Okay, I have to learn more about that. You do. Yeah, I, we'll send you I, a couple of chapters. Yeah, <laughs> please do. We just that published. Would be good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, terrific. Well, what a yeah, joy. What a yeah. joy. Oh, it's been a lot of fun. I really have enjoyed our conversation. And thank you for yeah. sharing your wisdom you. and for your article. It's just very valuable. Yeah. Thank you as well. Thank you for reaching out. It's been a pleasure to get to know both of you. And yeah. I would... You know, if there's anything else you need, I'd love to be of service. And thank you so much for your time as well. Oh, yeah. You're, you're welcome. welcome. And I, I'm pretty confident we'll be staying in touch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's terrific. All I right. Welcome that. Great. Okay. All Great. Right. And well, so for so, our leaders or for our listeners, um, you know, thank you for being here and listening to our conversation with Sonia. And uh, we will see you next time here on Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. So stay safe and stay healthy. We'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, now a top-rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.